From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Oh yes, Mr. Robert. Thank you very much. It's me, Mike. Mike Davidson lives is the name of the podcast. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for hanging out with me here this uh, next half hour, give or take a couple minutes. Hope you're well. Okay, so about a week or so into July, some big things happening. Um, as you know uh, from previous podcasts, we recently lost Phoebe, great cat. She was with my uh, wife for 14 years. I had known Phoebe for 10. Uh, when my wife first got her, you know, she was getting out of a bad relationship and she was single. And of course, at the end of Phoebe's life, she's buried to me and. Uh, she's got three kids, she's got a house, so uh, Phoebe saw a lot of good and bad in my wife's life and in our lives, collectively as a family. Uh, but part of the grieving process, my wife came to the decision that uh, one of the best things to do is to share the love uh, that she had for Phoebe with another cat. Now keep in mind, keep in mind, uh, you can never really replace the pet in question. All right, uh, but but it's nice to have another pet in the house to be his or her own thing. And uh, this past Saturday, we went to the Humane Society here in Fort Wayne and adopted a, a calico cat, which we called Phoenix. So now we've got a Kitty Pride and a Phoenix. Kids love the new cat, uh, Kitty Pride. Well, you know how it is. You get two cats together, they start hissing. Yeah, that's what that's what Kitty Pride is doing. But to be fair, when we first brought Kitty Pride home. Uh, Phoebe hissed at her. In fact, uh, when we brought Lana home, my oldest, after she was born, Phoebe hissed at Lana. Uh, but it's it's interesting, though. It's interesting because when there's another animal in the house, uh, the animal that's been there longer kind of acts like a kid seeing their uh, new sibling for the first time and wants more attention. And I noticed that uh, a couple times this weekend. I'm sitting in the recliner reading and uh, she just, uh, Kitty Pride, the oldest one, just jumps right into my lap, wants to be cuddled, and, well, I do oblige her. But, uh, yeah, they'll finally, they'll, they'll settle down. They'll, they'll get to know each other a lot better. Kids are very excited, which is nice. And my wife uh, seems a lot happier now than she has been, which is always good. Now, that's the good news. My wife hasn't been all that happy this past week. And Thursday, I can't blame her. Uh, I'm texting her. As I'm leaving work, hey, yeah, I'm on my way home. I, I do that every night before I leave work. And she calls me. She goes, yeah, here I'm at Big Lots with Logan. Somebody hit our car. I was like, holy crap. And she goes, no, I'm fine. Logan's fine. We were inside the store when it happens. I parked out all the way out in BFE. You know, my wife and I don't like playing the parking lot game at places like Walmart or wherever, you know, trying to get the, the closest parking spot. We just find something that's out of the way. Um... Uh, and easily accessible. I mean, but if we still have to walk, we walk. We just don't want to be close to anybody. She did that. She goes into the store for maybe half an hour. She comes back out. She puts her son in the in the car, and she walks around and she notices that uh, the front driver's side door and uh, the wheel panel above the wheel uh, both dented pretty bad. And now every time we open up that driver door, it just makes this horrible crunching noise. And so we have to get that looked at. But, you know, the, the thing that sucks about it is, you know, here we are. We're responsible drivers for the most part. Her more so than me. 
Uh, we're insured. We do our due diligence. We can't. We, we we do everything that's required, and it's likely that uh, the person that hit her was drunk and or uninsured, practically both, and just drove off. And there's no way we can ever figure out who did it. So once again, uh, the responsible people in society have to suck it up and pay a little more. And uh, whoever did it, pretty much. Uh, Made an enemy of me for life, even though I have no idea who the hell this person is. It just, it just sucks, though. I mean, and, then, and this same person would probably get upset if there was like a a, a cigarette burn mark on on the side of their Ford Fiesta. Uh, it probably drove something a little bigger than that because they did put a hefty dent in the car. But you get what I mean. I uh, did take the girls to go see Into the Spider-Verse, the new uh, Sony Miles Morales Spider-Man film. It's it's not bad. It's, there's pretty nice uh, nods to uh, all things Spider-Man, as always. Uh, just the visuals are a lot. And it used to be back in the day when uh, somebody said, would give you kind of a warning about visuals. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, if, if you go there and you have epilepsy or seizures, you shouldn't watch it. I'd be like, oh, can it be really that bad? Uh, the animation in this is a little much, and I don't have seizures. But uh, it's it's a very interesting story. It's just a lot going on. It felt like a three-hour movie, but it was only like two, two and a half. Like, it was, there was a lot going on with this movie. Uh, and it's a, kind of a cliffhanger to be continued. Looking forward to seeing that more, uh, more so than uh, the new Indiana Jones movie, which uh, is... I think they've finished second this weekend, and it's it's not going to make its money back. Uh, mostly because nobody wants to see an 80-year-old Indiana Jones get uh, stood up, sta- upstaged by uh, Miss Fleabag, as she's called. But I think a, a, a good chunk of why people are staying away from this movie is James Mangold, the director. And it's, and it's amazing to me that I would say that because his last film, Ford vs. Ferrari... Uh, just a master class of movie making. Like, you know, great characterization, great drama, everything. Uh, I don't know if it's so much uh, his hubris or Kathleen Kennedy's uh, interference, but a lot of people like me, again, don't want to see 80-year-old Indiana Jones look pathetic. And he's out there now in interviews talking about how fans are just uh, divisive because of the deconstruction of the hero. Like, oh, uh, you know, people don't want to see their... Uh, guy who they think walks on water or whatever, you know, they don't want to see this person as uh, infallible. And it, it just, I, I was reading his comments, and I do have them linked up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. Reading these comments, and I'm like, dude, have you ever seen an Indiana Jones movie? Like, this guy gets his ass kicked throughout the entire trilogy. Uh, he's got strained relationships, he's always in over his head. Uh, he doesn't make the best moral judgments half the time. He's already a flawed character. It's What we want to see is him come out at the end of the movie a little wiser and a little better than he was before. That's that's not de- deconstruction. That's building him up. Uh, and you do this with characters that are not uh, superhuman, that aren't gods. People uh, like you or me. And... Yeah, it's kind of hard to think of Indiana Jones as somebody like you or me, but yeah, he's human. He's a character for Christ's sake, and that's and that's what the appeal of of those movies. Nobody wants to see the hero fail. They ultimately want to see the hero succeed, even if it means this guy takes a lump or three. Uh, so there's that, and of course, uh, 
again, Indiana Jones, after The Last Crusade, I, I was content. I thought that was a great way to end that series of films. But now we got we got to drag the corpse out and uh, flog it a little more. A uh, movie that's doing surprisingly well at the box office, maybe not so much surprising, but uh, Sound of Freedom, uh, the new Jim Caviezel movie. I've not seen that yet. Uh, it's about uh, sex trafficking, child sex trafficking. And uh, this was like an indie film that got made in 2018, shelved by a bunch of studios. Um, some some group out of Utah bought the rights to it, has put it out in the uh, theaters, and uh, it, it made like, I think, $18 million this past weekend. Budgeted for $12 million. So it's already way back. It's budget. Uh, you know, they still have to make up for a few other costs. I, I'm not sure what its break-even point is, but uh, doing fairly well. And it is a, it is an actual problem, child sex trafficking and everything. Uh, it's got the movie's gotten some great reviews from some mainstream, I guess, mainstream Hollywood um, rags. But uh, this this stuff here, like Rolling Stone, uh, they're talking about how this was a QAnon fantasy because Jim Caviezel's into some weird things, and uh, the guy he plays. Uh, has uh, said some stuff about QAnon and he just goes on and on this this review about how this is just a conspiracy theory, tra uh, child sex trafficking and all this stuff. And they retweeted this um, on the Twitter account twice, Rolling Stone, the review. And both times it got ratioed. Ratioed out the ass. Um, because a lot of people are like, are you really going to die on this hill? I think... Um, God, was it Matt's Ideals, Idea Shop? It's a pretty funny Twitter account. Uh, ragged on them. Critical Drinker, Nerdrotic. Uh, lots of people are looking at this review going, what? Seriously? And it, it seems like an all-out assault uh, because they've taken some things that Jim uh, Caviezel has said in the past and they're like, well, this is obviously a conspiracy theory. Look, um, both John Travolta and Tom Cruise have made some memorable movies, right? Uh, they both believe in Scientology and have said some dumb things about what they believe. And I have not um, become a Scientologist. There have been a lot of far-left uh, celebrities that once a Republican wins a major seat or wins the presidency that threaten to go to Canada and never do. Uh, what Jim Caviezel, as an actor, says off-camera, I, I really don't care about. Because, I mean, if this is based on a true story, and I, I know that's a loose term, if it's based off a true story, then there must be some merit to this story. And the fact that you have things like uh, Rolling Stone, places like Rolling Stone, losing their ever-loving shit about this movie, and Jezebel, and some of these other things. I think CNN talked about how this was going to um, cause more QAnon uh, conspiracies to become more mainstream they're losing their crap about this yet somehow not a not, there has not been that level of outrage with Ezra Miller in the flash this guy uh, who apparently was grooming a young woman and her kids and doing all sorts of weird strange things and has all sorts of weird fetishes about him they're okay with that for the most part uh, but they'll pick and tear apart this movie because it doesn't meet, it it it, uh, it does not meet their worldview. Like if this is about child sex trafficking, it's obviously a conspiracy theory on the right. Uh, by the way, 
uh, because I'm talking about this, uh, uh, I so, I don't know who did this. I photoshopped or not photoshop. I did not photoshop. I don't photoshop anything. I I uh, screenshot this. Uh, this is a, a tweet that Rolling Stone put out back in uh, September of 2020. Um, you remember the movie Cuties on Netflix, which was all about uh, sexualizing young children. This was uh, the thumbnail review in the tweet from Rolling Stone. Thanks to a major marketing mistake, the award-winning French movie Cuties was accused of sexualizing young girls. It's actually a sensitive portrait of growing pains that deserves to be seen. Our review. Yeah, that's Rolling Stone magazine for you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but Jim Caviezel's the nut. Uh, so, oh, by the way, speaking of Ezra Miller and The Flash, uh, just kind of wrap up box office talk here. That's not the name of the podcast, by the way. But uh, it was not in the top ten of movies this past weekend. In its fourth week, not even a month out in theaters, The Flash has crashed very hard. And again, it saddens me because I do love the characters of both uh, Barry Allen and Wally West who have both been The Flash, right? But Ezra Miller is not either one of these guys. Uh, he's basically just kind of a Justin Long stunt double, even without all the uh, the uh, legal baggage that he carries. It's just it's nice and refreshing to see uh, that movie crash and burn, even if it means the sacrifice of of a character that I do revere. All right, Bob Huggins, uh, basketball coach, former basketball coach in his late sixties. Uh, trouble with alcohol throughout his career. Uh, he got in trouble, I guess, on a Cincinnati-based radio station not too long ago for dropping a gay slur. And he may have been slurring because he was drunk. Uh, and recently he got in trouble for drunk driving while recruiting. Recently. And apparently he resigned uh, from West Virginia. And now he's be West Virginia is being sued or because Bob, Hug Bob Huggins' uh, lawyers say, no, 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 that's not... That in itself was not a resignation, you know, all these other things, and it's it's a big mess. Um, and there are people that will make excuses for Bob Huggins, and I think Bob Huggins as a coach, pretty solid career. But alcohol is, uh, alcohol is, his alcoholism aside, what could have been even better? I mean, he probably would never have been fired from University of Cincinnati. He might have won a national championship with the school. This is a guy who never seemed to really put to uh, bed his demons. And I think with this uh, latest drunk driving arrest and the fact that uh, he was drunk on radio not too long ago saying things that, uh, well, you know, the, the elites of universities would frown upon. This was a great way for them to, you know, 86 him. And whether or not he met the resignation or not. I mean, the, th the thing of the matter is, though, there's an old saying Become the master of your habits or they will master you. And the alcohol is mastered Bob Huggins. And it's sad to see because that dude was a brilliant coach. I don't know if he's ever going to coach again. It would be a risk, a roll of the dice for any university to hire a guy that old and with that much baggage to, uh, to do it one more time. It's not saying it's beyond the realm of possibility. I do think his tenure with West Virginia is as done as his tenure at uh, Cincinnati. I'm not sure how it's going to resolve itself. Ultimately, if he does get some compensation back from the university. But if you're going to take on a job like that, and I get it, college basketball coach is a pretty stressful job. 
uh, you gotta you gotta find better ways to to manage that. I mean, I don't even have a job as stressful because I'm not doing anything on a national level. But I also don't drink to excess. It takes me two to three weeks to finish a six pack of beer anymore, and even that uh, is it, just a pitiful. And I'm doing air quotes here. A pitiful example of how low my beer tolerance really is now. But uh, that's all right. All right, Ben and Jerry's uh, not finding much tolerance here stateside. They they posted that tweet uh, that wiped its ass with America on the 4th of July, talking about we need to start giving back indigenous land, uh, starting with Mount Rushmore. They did this on the 4th of July. And I said I wasn't sure how any boycott against them would go. Because with Bud Light, uh, this was a more universal beer. Right, it was it was universal, it was blue collar. Uh, people didn't really think of it as political, and then of course it got political, and that's why there was that sharp drop off. Or with Ben and Jerry's, you know, old hippies, old fat hippies, they get stoned, eat their ice cream. So I wasn't sure if they were going to lose as much money. Well, lo and behold, their uh, their parent company later this later that week, two days later, uh, reported a. A drop in a stock cap of about two billion with a B damn dollars, and this is a, a, a big, big company. And you know, the company overall is still worth a lot, but you know, still to lose two billion dollars, what would cause such a thing? And of course, that's Ben and Jerry's tweet about how we're a bunch of land thieves and all that stuff. And uh, now one of the uh, the Native American tribes is saying, hey, you know, uh, one of those factories you Ben Jerry's guys got, it's actually on some stolen land. We would like that back now. So it's nice to see them uh, kind of wallowing in their own mess here. But, I mean, this has been a, a recent trend of, of big companies here. And I've got a theory about that. Because, uh, like, hey, Bud Light, Anheuser-Busch, they're owned by a big multinational, international company now. I mean, their their wheelhouse was beer, Ben and Jerry's. I mean, yeah, they've always had kind of a political slant. Ice cream, Target, you know, kind of a uh, Walmart for people who like to wear pants while shopping. I get that. And then, um, oh, who else was it that really got into it uh, not too long ago? Well, anyway, you got you got all these companies. <laughs> you got all these companies. Uh, oh, uh, Disney. That, that's what I wanted to talk about. Yeah, not too long ago, Disney started making crap. Uh, you know, and they started putting out political stuff. I mean, not too long ago, maybe 30 years ago, I mean, these companies were just known for their product, right? And uh, they were started by people, going back a long time ago, that just wanted to be successful. You make beer because you think you're good at making beer, and you can find people that can drink your beer, and you make money. You make movies because you think you're good at it, and you think, hey, I see all those butts in the seats, I can turn a profit. Opening up a store, you know, your profit margins are going to be a little thin depending on what you're selling. But if you're good enough at it, you can open up another location and maybe five more locations. And lo and behold, you're across the globe. Ice cream. You get the idea. These were people that were innovative, that wanted to build an audience, and actually had a talent for crap. But the thing is, with these companies now, there are no innovators. It's just, okay, you've got your, um, your boardrooms, you've got these stockholders, you've got, you've got people that are concerned about appearances. Appearances. 
because that's how you innovate now. You ride the latest trend. You don't really give a shit too much about your product. It's all about how you appear. And so that's why you have uh, Bud and Jerry's doing what they did on the 4th of July or uh, Bud Light doing what they did on Twitter with uh, Dylan Mulvaney or Target doing well, whatever the hell they were doing with kids' clothes and Disney not being able to stay out of the realm of politics and boom, 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 people are noticing that. They're not getting what they want, which is the product that they came to get. And that's what's been going on. And it was a little surprising, even after Disney, even after Target, even after Bud Light with me, seeing that that this uh, the company that owns Ben & Jerry's lost a little bit of change on this. And whether or not this is going to be a trend, we'll have to see here in the coming week. But that's a nice little hit there for going political. Now, Mark Zuckerberg's kind of a political guy. He's got the new Threads thing, which is a Twitter version 2.0. And uh, it's for people that um, people that don't like ideas that aren't theirs. And there's already been some complaints about uh, censorship on threads. Um, but uh, you know he's, he donates to all these other political groups and such. And I guess he's not a big police guy. He's not. Uh, uh, he and his wife have this organization. And let me pull this screenshot here. I'm doing. I'm multitasking, ladies and gents. Uh, but uh, he's got this thing called the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative, CZI, and uh, they've been donating money to uh, organizations that aren't too keen on cops. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, they donated $3 million to PolicyLink, an organization behind defundpolice.org, according to investigative reporter Lee Fang. And then CZI with Zuckerberg and his founder wife, uh, uh, Priscilla Chan, they also donated $2.5 million to uh, Solidaire. Solidaire in um, June of 2022 uh, of its uh, police, the Fund the Police for Funders program is proudly talk, leading anti-police terror project, which claims to have played a significant role in stripping the Oakland, California Police Department's budget of $18 million. Interesting. He's donating all this money, taking money away from cops, but it's been recently revealed that he himself, or maybe it's his co company, uh, has a security detail that has costed him, like in the last couple of years, $43 million. He has spent $43 million on personal security. And you know, he is a... He is a high roller, and I'm sure it's for his family, so some of that money's kind of spread out. But he's taking money away from police organizations that serve and protect the community. The cops have become the bad guys overall, and I'm not trying to be Pollyannish about the police. There are bad cops out there, and those bad cops should be dealt with accordingly. But this basically villainizes an organization, a public organization, funded by your tax dollars, and prohibits them from keeping you, the taxpayers, safe from threats, while he himself is jogging with a bunch of guys that used to be Marines or um, in other, you know, in other paramilitary uh, outfits and whatnot. He himself can have security, but not you and me. And if you think I'm act getting a little um, uh, over dramatic about that. No, this isn't a QAnon theory. This is what's actually going on in bigger cities. 
And you know what uh, right-wing conspiracy nut has recently noticed this? None other than Curtis Jackson, a.k.a. 50 Cent. Uh, rapper, he's not a right-winger, by the way. Uh, but he got into some hot water because um, he went to Instagram or one of his social media accounts and uh, talked about how there's a new uh, a no-bail policy in Los Angeles that they're trying to enforce now. Basically, anybody that's uh, in jail for nonviolent crime or misdemeanor can be let go without any bond or bail uh, because they don't want overcrowding in the jails. And he said, rightfully so, that the crime in Los Angeles is going to get worse. It's over for the city if they do this. And there were some uh, Hollywood pundit-type magazines that were reporting on this uh, this conspiracy nuts uh, observation, and they brought up the fact that uh, Mr. Jackson, Mr. Scent, uh, has had some legal issues himself and run-ins with the law, and he called them out again, saying, hey, look, I know I'm a big name and everything, but you guys are calling out stuff I did in my past? He's not talking about the past. He's talking about the present and possible future. If 50 Cent was a pimp or uh, I don't know, a drug dealer or somebody that Jim Caviezel fought in this new movie of his, that would be one thing. But he is somebody that's uh, been the, around the block a few times and has seen some stuff in his day. And he's getting taken to task by liberal Hollywood media. And this is another sign that you need to get out of the cities altogether because it's just going to get worse. The Again, you know, you've got guys like Zuckerberg defunding cops left and right, and then you got, well, California being California. Now, Britney Spears, she's free. And we have to ask ourselves why. Uh, I, I, I've been following this vaguely uh, this past week. I guess uh, Victor Wembenyama, he's the new uh, draft pick for the San Antonio Spurs. He is uh, uh, the next... The next big thing for the NBA, I guess. Uh, you know, he's got his entourage and everything, and Britney Spears wanted to meet him. And she claims that uh, somebody in his entourage hit her the other day. And they got the videotape, and they found out, well, okay, she was exaggerating because it wasn't anybody from Victor Wimbam... Wimbam... I cannot pronounce his name. Wimbanyama. It wasn't anybody from his entourage. It was Britney Spears being hit by Britney Spears. She slapped herself. It's on video for crying out loud. And this was a woman who had some mental issues not too long ago. And it was brought to the public that she needed to be freed. And they were like vilifying everybody under the sun to get her free. Now she's free. And it is apparent that she should never have been taken out of supervision. She's mentally unwell. I don't know if she'll ever get well because I'm not a professional. But you know who else isn't a professional? All the people on social media that labored to get her freed. <laughs> and now she's out there slapping herself trying to frame NBA players or future NBA players because he hasn't played a game yet. You know, talking about how she was disrespected. Well, it's kind of hard to respect somebody that does that to herself. And again, I don't think the lady is well. But then again, I'm not a an expert. All right. Uh, throwing crap on stage still a thing. Uh, Harry Styles, latest uh, musician to get hit in the okay, I'm performer. I don't know if he's really a musician. Singer to get hit in the eye by fans. They threw something on stage at uh, a show of his recently, and it actually hurt him, man. And, and that's not cool. I mean, I'm not 
I'm not the world's biggest Harry Styles or One Direction fan or whatever, but I mean, if you're paying money to go see a performer, you want to see this person perform, not be in pain. And it kind of reminds me of that uh, lovely time in the late 90s, early 2000s, where new metal pretty much ruined uh, the concert-going experience. I'm not talking about being up front in the mosh pit. If that's your thing, that's your thing. I'm talking about like, hey, everybody has to act like uh, a crazy nutbag. And I remember me and my sister going to uh, one of the X Fests at what was once Deer Creek Music Festival or Festival Deer Creek Music Center. Um, and uh, you know, we have the pa the pavilion. You have the long. Well, we were in the pavilion. We had nice seats. Shine Down was up on stage. Shine Down was coming up as a band and. Uh, you know, Brent Smith, great singer, and uh, they have a great cover of Simple Man. For whatever reason, no matter who was on stage at any time, any of the bands, no matter what the song was, people were tearing up grass from the lawn and throwing it into the pavilion. And when they were doing Simple Man, a ballad for crying it out loud, that stuff was going into the pavilion, hitting people. And after uh, me and my sister got hit a couple times, we are like, okay, screw this, we're leaving. That, I mean, that was basically the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, and now you got people doing that on the pop scene, of all things. Not sure why they're doing it, but okay, whatever. <clears throat> okay, I think I'll uh, wrap it up with this. There's a, This is also linked up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. This might be a to-be-continued for later. Canadian Farmer is out $61,000 due to a thumb emoji. I guess he was texting back and forth with the client. The client said, hey, I need this uh, I need this for approval, blah, 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 ship this to me, and I guess he sent him a thumb emoji, and that now is a contract agreement. Like, if you thumb emoji, that's a contract agreement, even though the farmer said, I was just merely confirming that I got his text, I got his email or whatever. That's in Canada. And what's sad is there are neighbors, and eventually we're going to have Supreme Court cases here stateside based off of mojis. That's going to suck so bad. Alright, with that all said and done, I'm done. Until next time, stay fresh. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlives. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at davidsonlives.